We're in the book of Matthew chapter 4, and you have never, ever received revelation like you're going to receive this morning. Now, I don't mean something new. If it's new, it's probably not Bible. But there is some great lessons from the Word of God in the temptation of Jesus Christ. The temptation of Jesus Christ. Uh, before I read the scripture to you, we'll be in chapter 4, verse 1 through 11. And before we read it, I want to say that this is the temptation of Jesus Christ. It's not your temptation. It's not mine. Now, we can glean from it. We can learn from it. We can grow from it. But this is the temptation of Jesus Christ, not ours. It was in detail, put together with skillful, um, di diabolical hands of Lucifer, and it was an intense attack upon our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Let's stand for the reading of God's Word. Verse 1 to 11. If you don't have a Bible with you, it is on the screen. Here at our church, the Word is always lit up. Amen. Verse 1. Then was Jesus led up. Notice up, not down. When God leads you, he doesn't lead you down unless it, there's a big up involved. Then was Jesus led of the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. And when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, he was afterward a hungered. And when the tempter came to him, he said, If thou be the Son of God, command that these stones be made bread. But he answered and said, It is written... Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. Then the devil taketh him up into to the holy city and setteth him on a, a pinnacle of the temple and saith unto him, If thou be the Son of God, cast thyself down. That's about a 450-foot drop. For it is written, He shall, God shall, your father shall give his angels charge concerning thee, and in their hands they shall bear thee up, lest at any time thou dash thy foot against a stone. Jesus said unto him, It is written again, Thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. And again the devil taketh him up into exceeding high mountain, and showeth him all the kingdoms of the world and the glory of them. And saith unto him, All these things will I give thee, if thou wilt fall down and worship me. Then said Jesus unto him, Get thee hence, Satan. For it is written, Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shalt thou serve. Then the devil leaveth him, and behold, angels came and ministered unto him. Using verse subject this morning, the temptation of Jesus Christ. You may be seated. The temptation of Jesus Christ is found here in Matthew 4. It's found in Luke chapter 4, and it's found in Mark chapter 1. I, on purpose, said to you a moment ago that this temptation is not yours. This is the temptation of Jesus Christ. This was the devil trying to stop the Son of God. Now, I realize the devil tries to stop us, but not in the magnitude that the devil used against the Son of God. You see, he used the slang if thou be the Son of God. But the devil knew he was. The devil knew that he was the Son of God. 
It was kind of a radical statement, if you're the son of God. He knew he was. So it's not if he wasn't trying to put doubt in Jesus' mind because Jesus knew exactly who he was. So how do you know he knew exactly who he was? Because his father just told him in chapter 3, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. In John chapter 1, it says the Spirit of God came upon Jesus to abode on him. And the word abode means for a job, for a purpose. For a time period, the Holy Spirit was to come upon Jesus without measure. In him is the fullness of the Godhead. And so Jesus is taken by the Spirit of God into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. One thing we need to understand, that there is power in prayer and power in emptying ourselves into the presence of God. The Bible says that Jesus fasted 40 days and 40 nights. Now, once again, I said, there's a lot we can learn from this. This is not our temptation. This is the temptation of Jesus Christ. And I think when preachers get hung up on 1 John chapter 2, verse 16, uh, you know, all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the a pride of life, the lust of the eye is not of the Father, but of this world. And we try to divide that up and say, okay, everything that Jesus experienced was, you know, either of the lust of the eye or the lust of the flesh or the pride of life. And you can divide that up and say, well, the lust of the eyes is when Satan made those stones, those rocks look just like biscuits and just like bread. And then you have the lust of the, the pride of life. Remember, the devil takes Jesus and says, jump off. And the, the, it says in Psalms 91, verse 11, the angels will bear thee up. They watch over you and they'll, they'll lift you up and take care of you. And that's the pride of life. If he did that, that'd be quite, a, quite an amazing thing. He didn't have to do that. Have you discovered that Jesus is already famous? How many, how many have discovered that Jesus is already famous? The lust of the flesh is when the devil tried to give Jesus, all the kingdoms of the world. He was trying to give Jesus something that didn't belong to him in the first place. That's just like an imposter, just like a, a con man. This is a con devil. He was trying to con Jesus into thinking that he could get, and he made the statement, all these things are mine to give to whoever I choose to give. But how many know the devil's a liar? Amen. I don't necessarily believe that the devil has everything. I believe God the cattle on a thousand hills are God. I believe that the earth in the fullness thereof belongs to God. I believe God still commands the devil when needed. Amen. So the devil's not near as big as you think he is. He's a lot of hot air. He comes at us in many ways. But you stop and think about the temptation. How many in this room ever fasted a day? I'm talking about food. Ever fasted food for a day? How many ever fasted food for three days? All right. How many ever fasted food for seven days? All right. Still got the. How many ever fasted food for 10 days? How many ever fasted food for 21 days? How many ever fasted food for 25 days? I was going to say, if you raise your hand, being in a coma in the hospital don't count. <laughs> but prayer and fasting is very, very important for the child of God. So important, the devil has succeeded in removing it from most Bibles. Depriving yourself of things of the earth will always result in a closer walk with Jesus Christ. 
if you're focused on Jesus Christ. And so I'm going to share some things with you today that will help you. I understand that Adam and Eve were in a beautiful garden. The first Adam, everything was perfect, perfect temperature, the, you know, the fruit trees and everything was good. They had the most beautiful woman in the world, the only one, but had the most beautiful wife in the world. Uh, Adam had it made. Everything was good. The, the animals obeyed him. Even the dogs obeyed Adam. And uh, I, I'm, that's a little pun. But anyway, and I'm not trying to be ugly, but I'm just telling you the truth. Everything obeyed Adam. He was in a perfect environment. He didn't, you know, the temperature was perfect. He had a beautiful wife and no mother-in-law. Now, don't get mad at me if you're a mother-in-law. You say, but preacher, you've never been a mother-in-law. You shouldn't act that. You're right, and I don't plan on ever being a mother-in-law. But Adam had everything that you could think of, the first Adam, and yet he sinned through the lust of the eye. He sinned, and through the taste of the flesh, Adam sinned and drugged the whole human race into sin and iniquity. The last Adam comes along, and he has a name called Jesus, Yeshua, the Son of God. And the last Adam, he doesn't go into a Garden of Eden. He goes into a wilderness of absolute devastation. God sent Jesus into the wilderness to bring you and I out. God sent Jesus in. He sent him into a place of death and destruction. God sent his son, Jesus Christ, into a world full of heartbreak and full of devastation and full of starvation and full of perversion. God sent his son into a wilderness full of wickedness, full of God-haters, full of deception. God sent his son into the wilderness to win. And Jesus won. Now, we all face temptations, every one of us. Many of us are like the little boy that was in the candy, candy shop, and the store owner said to the little boy, boy, are you trying to steal my candy? He said, no, sir, I'm trying not to. <laughs> or you drive by the Christmas cream place and the light's on. And you say to yourself, now, Lord, I know I shouldn't go in there, but if you'll make a good parking spot in the middle, you know, right there by the, by the door, if you'll give me a good parking spot, I'll know it's your will, Lord. <laughs> and then you'll circle the parking lot for an hour <laughs> until it opens up, and then you pull in and say, thank you, Lord. <laughs> if you don't want to sin, stay out of the sin graveyard. Stay out of the places of sin. If you don't want to sin, don't, you know, don't. I mean, don't give the devil your forwarding address. Hello? Now, there's always been some things about this wilderness temptation of Jesus that actually um, troubled me. And don't look at me like little angels. The Bible has troubled all of us in some times, in some places. But Satan attacks today. How many understand that Satan attacks today? Satan attacks your mind with the weapon of lies. Satan attacks your body with the weapon of pain and sickness. 
Satan attacks your will with the weapon of pride. Satan attacks your conscience with the weapon of past sins and failures of life. I want to get right into the study because it's important that we grasp some truths out of this man shall not live by bread alone. Jesus is in a wilderness, and Mark chapter 1 says that he was with the wild beast. And I heard a preacher preach, well, maybe the wild beast brought him food and water. No, you can't fast if if a raven brings you a hunk of meat. It's not fasting. Now, I'm sure that Jesus had to have water. I guess it's possible that the last Adam, the animals brought him water. I don't know. But I'm more apt to believe the animals tried to eat him. He tried to rip his flesh off his body at his weakest moment. And Jesus had fasted 40 days without any food. Can you see him laying there almost to die, almost in the place of death? Dehydration, starvation. If you fasted more than three days or let's say Two weeks, I fasted. My, the longest fast I ever fasted was like 21 days, 22 days. But your Bible, your, your Bible, your, your stomach, and some people, that's their Bible. But anyway, your stomach goes to sleep after a few days. It, it gives up. It first screams glazed donuts, Krispy Kreme. It screams cheeseburger. It screams steak. It screams just a little piece of candy, something. Until you deprive it so long that the stomach goes to sleep and it kind of gives up. After you fast so long, it kind of gives up. And it doesn't kick back in to hunger mode until you're about to starve to death. And that's what happened with Jesus. He fasted 40 days and 40 nights and he had no food in his, and his body kind of went into you know, the pause mode and there he is laying there and then he hungers after 40 days and 40 nights. He hungers, meaning he's about to die. His body is at the place of absolute starvation. Some of you feel like you're that place at the end of the day and you ain't had supper yet. But Jesus, he's in a horrific place, and Satan comes to him. Now, let me say quickly, I don't believe Jesus was just tempted at the end of the 40 days. I believe Jesus was tempted the whole 40 days. But the intense temptation was at the end of the 40 days. That was the main thrust of it. Now, let me share with you something that helped me a great deal. Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and John, the apostles, you know, none of them was with Jesus in the wilderness. Nobody went with Jesus into the wilderness. John the Baptist didn't go. Nobody went. He went went alone. So obviously, Jesus told his disciples about this experience so that they could write it down in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. It's not in John. And the reason the temptation is not in John is you can't tempt God. That God is above. Now, you will find in this study that Lucifer tried to mess with God in this. But, I mean, you you can't mess with God and win. It's kind of like the story about a guy who went to his pastor and said, I want to divorce my wife. What does the Bible say about it? And the pastor said, well, the Bible says you're not to divorce your wife. He said, but I hate her. I can't stand to be around her. 
I want to get a divorce. What does God say about it? And the pastor said, well, it, God says you're not to do that. You're, you're connected forever till death do you part. He said, well, what if I do it? And the pastor said, if you do it, then God has every right, and of course God has every right whether you do it or not, to kill you. God has every right to chasten you. But he said, my wife is so bad at me, so angry and so hard to live with, that the pastor said, I, I want to tell you that when you do this, you're going to end up with God possibly chasing you or even maybe killing you. And he said, I'll take my chances with God. Bad, bad move. Hello? I think I'd have took my chances with the woman. You don't take your chances with God because God, when he says to us to do something, then we're to obey him and we're to honor him. Amen? Come on, I'm preaching better than you're responding. Really, I am. Come on now. Cheer up. You need to come to church in a little better mood. But Jesus obviously told his disciples what had happened or it wouldn't be in the scriptures. So can you imagine in the fifth chapter of Matthew, which will be there in a few weeks or so, maybe a couple of years we'll be there. But anyway, you know, it depends on how long I have to go through these verses and digest the, the scriptures. But anyway, because it's so rich, amen? You got to savor the word of God. But when you get to the fifth chapter and sixth chapter uh, and, and the 11th chapter, it talks a lot about the Father knows what you have need of. And the Father tells you that he'll feed you, that God feeds the sparrow, he feeds the fowls of the air, he clothes the lily of the field, that God takes care of you. And if Jesus had not have told them about this experience, they might have said to Jesus, it might be okay or easy for you to say that, but you've never been tempted like we have. And so Jesus maybe took that occasion to tell about this temptation. The Hebrew writer said, we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities, but in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin in the fourth chapter of Hebrews. And so when we look at this, we need to understand, and please hear me, I don't want to lose you here, but Jesus was fully man. He was all man. He was full man. He was, he was a man, uh, full man, all man, but he was also all God. He was man and God. He was fully man, and fully God, period. Explain that, not going to. All I know, great is the mystery of godliness, Christ in us, the hope of glory, the cleansing power of Jesus Christ. And so Jesus is all man, fully man and fully God. He gets the seal upon him at the baptism where John the Baptist baptized him, he gets anointed. He goes into the wilderness and he goes in to beat the devil to a pulp. He goes in to beat the devil. He goes in to, and how many know Jesus went in and beat the devil? And today I'm saved because Jesus beat the devil. Today I'm born again because Jesus beat the devil. Jesus went in there and came out victorious. God sent his son to the graveyard 
to break the powers of death, hell, and the grave. God sent his son to break sin and darkness and bring eternal life and grace on people's lives. And the son of God is God the son, God the father, God the son, and God the Holy Ghost. And the father and the son and the Holy Ghost was fullness in the Godhead bodily in Jesus Christ. Without measure, the Holy Ghost was there. So he's in the way. The devil didn't have a chance. I'm going to tell you right now, if you're a born-again child of God, the devil don't have a chance to take you to hell. I had someone tell me one time, you go to hell. And I said, I can't. They said, you can't what? And I said, I can't go to hell. He said, well, why can't you go to hell? Because I said, I'm born again. I'm a, I'm a child of God. And he said, well, go to heaven then. And he walked out. <laughs> said, thank you, I will. Hello. And that's where I'm going. I'm going to heaven. I want to point out something about the bread. I've always been a little troubled about the interpretation, man should not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeded out of the mouth of God. Now, I, uh, you don't have to show of hands, but I'd say there's others in here that's always been a little troubled about the full interpretation of that. I've always felt a little empty after reading it. And you know, you can go into works and say, well, you got to live by every dot and every crossing of the T and every word that ever came out of God's mouth. You got to live it or you're going to hell. You can get into that doctrine of works where you say, well, you got to live every word of God. But then you can look back and see that isn't what the verse is saying. The verse is saying every word of God is life. No matter what part of God's word you get, it's life. So every word that preaches out proceeded out of the mouth of God is life. But even that interpretation doesn't satisfy me. Because here you have Jesus in the wilderness. He's fasted 40 days and 40 nights. He's had nothing to eat. He has probably lost many pounds of flesh. He's dehydrated. Of course, he, he had water. The Bible doesn't say he didn't have water. It says he didn't have anything to eat. He is being, animals are trying to eat him alive. He's struggling. He's hurting. His flesh is melting into the dark, um, jagged rocks of the wilderness. And Satan shows up. And Satan shows up and picks up a stone in his hand and throws it to Jesus said, if you're the son of God, command these stones to be made bread. Jesus responded and said, man shall not live by bread alone, but every word that proceeded out of the mouth of God. That is a scripture from uh, Deuteronomy, or actually, yeah, Deuteronomy uh, chapter uh, eight, verse three. We'll not go there, but when Jesus quoted um, man should not live by bread alone, but every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. That was a quote from Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 3. When he said, thou shalt not tempt the Lord God, that was a quote from Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 16. And when he said, get thee hence, Satan, uh, for it is written, thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shalt thou serve. That's Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 13. So Jesus used the book of Deuteronomy, the sword to cut 
the devil's temptations away. And let me say to everyone in this room, we can learn from this. The Word of God will help us beat the temptations of the devil. We can learn from that. We have the Spirit of God. We have the Word of God. We have prayer, talking to God. We have fasting. We have staying close to church. We have staying close to the grace of God. We have the Spirit of God. But we can always pull out that sword and cut the devil with the Word of God. It's the sword of the Spirit, the Word of God. You know, it's like the guy that had his sword out and went on a guy. And the guy said, you missed me. And the guy said, I didn't walk away. Because he walked away and every piece falls in the floor. That's the way we do the devil. We just slice him up. And it's all baloney when you're done. I said, the devil's all baloney when you're done. Full of hot air, a lot of of hissing and and blowing, and then a lot of baloney. Amen? Now, I've always been troubled somewhat with man shall, shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. That I've been a little troubled about that. And, and the, the honest truth is there's nothing wrong with bread. Jesus Christ later on in the scriptures made bread for 4,000 and then later 5,000. 15, 20,000 people, he multiplied the bread. So there's nothing wrong with making bread. There's nothing wrong with eating bread. There's nothing wrong with being hungry. So I guess the question would be, and they jumped the gun on me, but the question would be this, and my computer lady is really on her toes. What's wrong with bread? Answer, nothing. Nothing. So the question is, what's wrong with verse 1 through 4? What if I was to tell you verse 1 through 4 of Matthew chapter 4 is one of the most dynamic truths about Jesus Christ you'll ever find? I mean, if I had been in the wilderness and had the power to make biscuits and bread, and I'm starving for 40 days and 40 nights, and the devil says, if you have the power, make some bread. There's nothing wrong with bread, nothing wrong with eating, nothing wrong with, I mean, if you can do it, have at it. If it had been me, I'd have made the whole wilderness a buffet. I'd have made every rock a, a bread. I'd have made... I I'd, I'd went to every little high rise in the wilderness and I'd have made a Panera. I'd have made a, 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 I'd made a cashew inn. I'd make a golden corral. I'd make a sizzling steakhouse. I, I'd go through there and I'd make a Brahms. I'd make an ice cream place. I'd make a soda pop place. I would make a, a, a bed and breakfast place. I'd make, I'd make an a, a IHOP and a pancake place. Aunt Jemima, I'd bring back on the bottle. I'd, ma- 
you, you say, well, preacher, you mean you'd make a soda fountain place, you'd make a, a, a restaurant, you'd make a, a sizzler, you'd make a, a Panera, you'd make a, a, a whole bakery, you'd make the whole wilderness a, 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 a buffet. Yes. You say, well, you're acting just like God. There it is. There it is. That's what this verse means. The devil was telling Jesus, you don't have to be a man. Why don't you stop being a man? There it is. Woo! The dynamite has ignited. The devil says to Jesus, stop being a man. You got the power, you got the strength, just stop being a man. Make bread out of these stones. And the devil was trying to get Jesus to give up as a man and take his place back on the throne and let the rest of us go to hell. Wow. That's deep. See, the devil was trying to tell Jesus, you stop being a man. And, and, and you know, he's accusing the father. You, you know, the father would feed you and take care of you. And Jesus basically is saying this. God's going to take care of me. My father's going to feed me. My father's going to take care of me. And the end result in this temptation, angels came and fed him. Angels came and took care of him. Angels, God did come through. And basically what Jesus Christ was saying to the devil, I am not going to die in this wilderness because my father sent me here as a man to overcome death, hell, and the grave and inside of me is God, and I'm fully man and fully God, but I'm going to walk this planet healing the sick, raising the dead, touching lives, ministering the hearts and lives as a man full of the Holy Ghost, as a, as a God man in me, as the Son of God, I'm going to get the job done. So, you want to hear some more good stuff? This is really awesome because this opened up a whole new revelation to me. And it's not new. It's always been there. But this is the temptation of Jesus Christ. This is not my temptation. It's not your. Jesus, the devil's trying to tempt Jesus as a full man, as a fully man. And he's also trying to tempt Jesus as fully God. Now, we know that you can't tempt God because we know the devil would be wasting his time. But oh, if God was in that man, then he can try to talk to the God in that man and try to get Jesus Christ to give up his son of man position, his son of David. Hello? And so Jesus Christ is saying, no, 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 no. I'm not going to quit being a man. Just because I'm God, fully God, I am not going to stop being a man. And God has never stopped. Jesus Christ has never stopped being a man to this day. The man Christ Jesus sits on the Father's right hand. Paul told Timothy, there is one mediator between us and God. The man Christ Jesus. We have a man in heaven. 
And one day, I don't know what he fully looks like, his resurrected body when he rose from the grave. He's, the, he's the, uh, uh, glorified in his brand new body, but yet he still has the wounds in his hands, still has a wound in his side. I don't understand all about what kind of body he has, especially when I look at Revelation chapter 1 in his glorified state. But I know this, we're not going to make Jesus look like us, but Jesus is going to make us look like him. And we as men and women of God are going to be changed into the image of Jesus Christ. That's pretty, that's just awesome stuff. Amen? How many, how many agree that that's awesome stuff? What's wrong with bread? Nothing. What's wrong with making bread? Nothing. What's wrong with making tons of bread? Nothing. What's wrong for Jesus is to say, okay, I will assert my authority as God and I'll stop being a man. That's what the devil was trying to do. Jesus will never stop being a man. When he comes back, he's coming back as the son of man. When he comes back in Revelation 19, he's coming back as king of kings and lord of lords. Zechariah says the Israel will see his print of nails and his pierced side and his beaten back. He's coming back. I don't know exactly what image he'll show as far as his glorified state and one day we'll be absorbed in his glory and we'll be changed completely. He's not changing. We're not, we're not, uh, Jesus Christ is not changing to our image. He already done that. Now he's going to change our image into his image, the resurrected, eternal son of God. <laughs> Woo! Preach myself happy. This comes to my next point. If my computer girl don't get ahead of me. What's wrong with trusting God? Remember Jesus Christ? Remember the devil told Jesus Christ? He took him up on a high uh, pinnacle of the temple, said, cast yourself down about a 450-foot drop. Cast yourself down. devil quotes a little scripture and says uh, uh, in, in Psalm 91, verse 11, the angels are given charge concerning thee to, to take care of you, to watch over you. And the devil quotes that to him, and if you'll jump off, angels will pick you up. Well, what's wrong with trusting God? Answer, nothing. Unless you're trusting God contrary to God's will. Unless you're trusting God in rebellion to God's will. It wasn't God's will that Jesus jumped off Pentecost of the temple. Nothing wrong with trusting God. But when you trust God in defiance with God and not harmony with God, then it becomes a problem. You want to get something? This would be, how many would know that that would be pretty cool for Jesus to jump off that pinnacle of the temple and kind of do a couple of flips and a swan dive and, and zoom in there and the angels grab him, just set him down soft. Man, that's Hollywood stuff. Well, no, that would be God stuff. But let me tell you, friends, God loves you. 
Let me say again, God loves you, but don't push it. Well, I know God loves me, so it's okay. I mean, I, you know, God will take care of me. I'll go do this. I mean, I can go out and play in the interstate. Don't push it. I'll pretend to be something I'm not. Don't push it. Deuteronomy 6, 16, you're not to tempt the Lord thy God. And let me say this. There are hundreds of people in churches today, perhaps thousands, maybe millions, that because God loves them, they take an occasion to abuse the, to abuse the grace of God. And God loves them, but they, they stretch it. They push it to the limit. And Jesus Christ said, I'm not going to push anything to the limit. And first of all, I'm not receiving barking orders from you. Jesus is taken up on that high place. And by the way, Jesus is going to bring salvation to Jerusalem, Israel. He's going to die on the cross of Calvary. And there in that high place, he could have jumped off and immediately they would proclaimed him as Messiah right there at the bottom of that pinnacle of the temple. But Jesus Christ said, I didn't come here to do that. I came here for a higher purpose. I came here to rip the veil of the temple from top to bottom so everybody can get in. Amen? Once again, Jesus is tempting, once again, the devil is tempting Jesus. Stop being a man. Just be a God. Had he had done that, he would have been the false messiah. The Antichrist. But Jesus came for a higher purpose. Last but not least, the last temptation, of course, Luke has him reversed. And you know as well as I do, I've taught through Matthew and John and Mark, and, and Luke is always that, he's that doctor that slips in something that throws you away. You ever looked at doctors writing on a prescription? Them pharmacists has to call the doctor and say, what did you write here? Luke is a doctor. He's a physician, Gentile physician. And Luke always throws me for Luke. Luke the, the book of Luke ain't my favorite, ver uh, favorite book because Luke twists things around. He just throws it out there and says, you pick through it. Kind of how Luke is. He just throws it out there and says, you pick through it. You say, what do you mean you pick through it? Well, he had John the Baptist beheaded before he baptized Jesus. Really, if you don't believe that, go to Luke and study it. He had John the Baptist beheaded before he baptized Jesus. Now, that's a miracle. <laughs> the only explanation for that is Luke just throws it out there and you sort it out. It's not in order. Hello. Now notice in verse 8 through 10, or actually through, well, I'll pick up verse 11 in a minute. Uh, remember, Satan takes Jesus up on a high mountain, exceeding high mountain. And he shows him all the kingdoms of the world. That's every kingdom from the beginning of time to now and the glory of them. 
And he said unto them, all these things will I give thee if thou wilt fall down and worship me. And Jesus said, get hence, get thee hence. He said, Satan, out of my face. Satan, get away. Satan, you're done. I'm finished. Out of my face. Go. That's my J-L-E version. For it is written, Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shalt thou serve. That's in verse 13 of Deuteronomy chapter 6. Question, what's wrong with being God if you're God? That's why the temptation of Jesus Christ is his, not ours. And what the devil was trying to tell Jesus again, stop being a man. Let's join together and let's rule the planet. What's wrong with, what's wrong with being a God if you're a God? And the answer is nothing. So you've never heard a sermon like this in your life on the temptation. But I want you to understand something. Jesus Christ looked at all the kingdoms of the world and the glory of them. And, and Satan tried to say, if you'll bow down and worship me, all these things I'll give you. And he said, they're mine to give to whoever I choose. Well, first of all, the devil is a liar. And the devil don't have anything to give you that's his. If he's got anything, he stole it. The devil has one thing today, he stole it from earth. God is still God. I realize the devil's the prince of power of the air. I realize he's the little God, little G of this age. I realize the whole world lieth in the lap of the wicked one, Lucifer. But I still contend that God Almighty owns the fullness of this planet. God is God and it belongs to him. And no man is going to take it out of God's hands. So, the devil says, if you'll bow down, wouldn't that just make the devil totally happy? That's what he wanted all along. He wants God to bow before him. He wants God to bow. If you just, that's the pride of life. That's the pride of, of Lucifer. If I can just get God to bow down before me. You know, quit being a man. You see, we, he, he's trying to say, why don't you be a God, a God of this world? The only problem is the God of the heaven, if you're, if, you're, if you're God, what's wrong with being God? Nothing. But if you're God and you become a little God, there's a great problem. And so Jesus could have fragmented from his deity as God and became a little God on the earth and allowed the planet to go to hell You see, Jesus refused. See, what, what the devil was offering Jesus, the devil was saying, Jesus, you know, you're, you're, you're God. Why don't you just take position of God and take control of the earth? Won't you just take care of everything by your might and your power? And, and why, don't you just, why don't you just shortcut away from the cross? Why don't you just... Leave the cross alone. Why, why, why don't you just bow to me and, and we'll together make a 
a utopia of ours. We'll do what we want to do. You can be little God. You can come and do what, what you can do as a man. And you don't worry about the Father. We'll, we'll just team up together and we'll rule the planet and you bow before me and then you can be the little God, the perverted God, the God that doesn't love, the God that doesn't care, the God that hates, the God that wants to destroy, the God that doesn't uh, care about humanity, the God that sends millions to hell, the God that is stingy and the God that is hateful and the God that has vengeance and wrath. Why don't you just become that God, the little God, ruler, dictator of planet earth. But Jesus Christ said, I'm not that kind of a God. I'm not a little G God. I'm a big G God. I'm a big God. I'm the son of God. I'm the God, uh, the son of God in the fullness of God. I'm God, Jesus Christ. I'm the pre-existing one. I'm God. And I'm not the God that's going to throw humanity to the trash. I'm the God that's going to go to the cross of Calvary. And I'm going to do for them that they cannot that which they cannot do for themselves because man cannot live by bread alone. But I'm going to go take care of what man can't do. He needs something that will make him live and bread won't do it. He needs something to make him live forever and, 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 and pleasure and things of the earth won't do it. He needs, man needs me. I'm not going to turn away. I'm going to be the son of man. I'm, gonna, I'm not going to step away from my place as a man. I'm going to be the man Christ Jesus and I'm going to go to the cross and I'm going to die for the sins of the world and I'm going to obey my Father for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life and I'm going to go down there and I'm going to die and I'm going to lay down my body, myself in death and I'm going to raise it up again because my Father told me to go down there and die and give your blood for mankind's sin and go to the grave and then get up and come back home. Resurrected Son of God. And so Jesus Christ was saying to the devil, no, I'm going to worship God. I'm going to worship my Father. I'm going to serve my father. I'm going to honor my father. And I'm going to do what God, my father, has told me to do. I'm going to die for the sins of the world. I'm going to shed my blood. I'm going to be buried in the tomb. I'm going to raise again from the dead. I'm going to go to heaven. I'm going to sit down beside Holy Father. And by the way, that's the only Holy Father we have up there. And I'm going to sit down by Holy Father. And I'm going to be the man Christ Jesus that is one mediator between man and the Father. And Jesus Christ is the man, the man Christ Jesus is the one mediator. Jesus Christ today, one day he'll return. Did you hear what I'm saying? When he got up out of the grave, don't you believe these false doctrines, these false cults that tell you that God just made the body of Jesus disappear? Don't you believe that nonsense? There, there is a religious group that says God just made the body of Jesus disappear and he, he reappear and disappear, reappear, you know. Houdini, anyway. That's nonsense. The same body that was crucified on the cross of Calvary, 
the same body that gurgled its blood out for the sins of you and I, the same body that held and contained the holy blood of God, the same body that the fullness of the Godhead was in, that same body, Jesus Christ, Yahshua, on the cross of Calvary, agonized, died on the cross of Calvary, that same body was put in a tomb, dead, I mean dead, 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 but that same body rose again from the grave and victoriously busted out death held in the grave, and that same body appeared before his disciples before his ascension and said, behold my hands, he blessed them. And that same body ascended up in the clouds and as he was going up in the atmosphere, Jesus Christ grabbed a hold of a cloud with right hand and a cloud with the left hand, wrapped himself in the clouds and disappeared in the glory of God, went down and sat at the Father's right hand and in 50 days he sent the Holy Ghost upon earth so that we could be filled and baptized with the Holy Ghost and the power of God in our life, woo, praise the Lord. That same body that died on the cross of Calvary is coming back. Woo. That same body sits in heaven today, glorified, yes. Incorruptible, yes. But that same body's coming back to the clouds of glory to shatter this atmosphere like shattered glass, to descend from heaven with a shout, the voice of an archangel, the trump of God, and those that are sleeping bodily in the person of Jesus Christ, God will bring with him, Jesus will bring with him, and God will cause the dead in Christ, the sleeping in Christ, to rise first, they'll get a new body, and we which are alive and remaining shall be caught up, shot up into the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord, and when we meet him, we will be like him, and he will be our wonderful savior. The nail prints will be there, the pierced side will be there, the authenticness will be there. Jesus Christ will come back for his children. For his bride, actually. Man, I done. I'm beside myself. It's just good stuff. That's a Paul theology there. I'm beside myself. It's just so incredible. And so when Jesus Christ returns with his church, we're all going to have the same body. It won't be a body like we have now, it'll be a body that's glorified, likened to Jesus' body. But we'll still have the identity of man because we're a new creature in Christ, something that's never been before. We have been developed and made out of the blood, the cross of the Calvary, the born-again experience, the bones and, and blood of Jesus Christ, and we've been made in the image of God. We are something that never existed before. We are new creatures in Christ. Yeah. We're not like Adam in the garden. We'll never be like Adam in the garden. We're going to be like Jesus in the heavens. And Jesus was very careful to make this statement to Herod and Pilate and everybody else. When you see me coming in the revelation, in the second coming, you see me coming. The Son of Man will come with his holy angels. The Son of Man will come with his holy angels, and he will come together, his saints, the wheat into the barn. 
And there will be a great battle. And Jesus will come in Revelation 19, extended into chapter 20. He'll come riding on a white horse. His vesture dipped in blood, not of his, but the blood of his enemies. And upon his thigh, the King of kings, and the Lord of lords, the Son of David. You know, right there's a good place to either say amen or wow. God's word is wow. And I hope you understand that when you, when you hear about the temptation of Jesus Christ, if you focus just on us, you know, we tempted, we resist with the scriptures, of, you know, the lust of the eye, the lust of the flesh, the pride of life. If you focus just on us, 1 John chapter 2, verse 16, if you focus just on us, you miss the fact that this is the temptation of Jesus Christ, not yours, not mine. We glean from it. We learn from it through fasting and prayer, yielding to the Spirit of God, and also through taking the sword of the Spirit and taking the Scriptures and standing on the Word of God. We learn from all that. But you've got to see that God was magnificent. Jesus was wholly magnificent in the wilderness of temptation. He was so God, yet he was so man. And he refused to stop being a man at the pleasure of being just a God, just the God. Because we are his good pleasure. I've been excited about preaching this message this morning for several days, been excited about taking the truth, and the devil told me, how many know the devil sometimes will speak to you? I like the words of Martin Luther, when the devil knocks on your door, send Jesus to answer it. But the devil told me, he said, you stand, you stand the possibility of people misunderstanding you when you talk about he's all man and he's all God. I said, that's not a problem, devil. Because I don't understand it either. What I do understand is Jesus stripped you naked and sent you off broken and beaten. Think about the magnitude of this temptation. Just think about the magnitude of the temptation. The temptation of Christ wasn't the temptation of you and I, the temptation of Christ, of Jesus Christ. He could have any moment said, okay, I'll take the kingdoms and I'll avoid the cross. I'll, I'll avoid, but the thing is, he would have been an antichrist. He would have been a false god. He would have been betraying his own faithfulness to the things of God. Because you see, the devil offered Jesus a kingdom without the cross. I want you to know that you can't have heaven without the cross. And you can't understand the love of God without 
the statement, he loved them to the end. I think that's in John 13. Got to excuse me if I don't get the address. It's completely right. Shoot, some of you can't even get home. But anyway... And you say, that ain't funny. You're right, it ain't funny. One day I got in the car and I thought to myself, what am I doing here? <laughs> Don't you worry, I got someone that tells me where to go every moment. Her name is Judy. I'll never be alone. She's my blinker flood. Your blinker's on. Really, I hadn't noticed Let me say this real quick, lest you misunderstand me. I've got the most beautiful, most awesome wife in the whole planet. Amen? Yeah. Kind of like what I heard. I know it's hard for some of you to say amen because you're sitting right there with your wife. But anyway, I, I got a wonderful wife. She's awesome. Amen? Kind of like what I heard my cousin say concerning a funeral with Janice, my aunt. And he said, we're talking about his wife. And he said, he said I wouldn't take a million dollars for my wife. Said, I wouldn't, I love her, I wouldn't take a million dollars for her, but I wouldn't take a nickel for another one just like her either. <laughs> That's good preaching. <laughs> I hope you understand the temptation of Jesus better. I hope you don't feel an emptiness when you say man should not live by bread alone but by every word that proceeded out of the mouth of God. What Jesus Christ was saying to the devil was they're going to need more than bread and I'm their bread. They're going to need more than what they've got. They're going to need me because I am every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. They're not going to need just, you know, they're going to need more than just bread. He was saying to the devil, they need me. They need me. And I'm going to provide it for them. Now, I give you enough stuff this morning that you ought to shout all over this place tonight. Amen? I mean, you ought to praise God tonight and praise, worship the Lord tonight. I'm going to be in the book of Psalms, so hey, praise ye the Lord. Now, Josh got me started on Psalms. I, go look, I went to looking through what Josh had preached on the Psalms, so I didn't get one of his. Then again, I thought, well, I'll take one of his. I can't improve on it, but I can. If I take his notes, it'll be as good. <laughs> I know I'm bragging, but hey, blessed is he that tooteth not his own horn, lest it go untooted. But you've got the best associate pastor that any church could ever dream of having. And you got more word of God doing, going through this church than any church ever had in the history. I mean, unless Paul was here, and, and he would probably correct me a few times. I mean, no, I would be more than willing to be corrected by Apostle Paul. But this is a rich church. This is a Bible-preaching church. And I thank God for that. We learn. We grow. We're strong. 
I'll be in the rest of chapter 4 next Sunday morning. You say, what are you preaching on? Ain't got a clue. All I know is going to be preaching verse 12 on. Chapter 4. But there's so much good stuff in the Scriptures. How many glad that Jesus came as a man and chose not to stop being a man because he identifies with us? Amen? Stand with me. All I can say is, wow. There's so much beauty in these verses. There's so much truth. There's so much power. And, you know, I always got thrilled with man should not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeded out of the mouth of God. And I always felt a little empty when I'd read that. But then I realized that Jesus was saying to the devil, I am every word. I am what they don't have. And I'm not going to stop being a man and jeopardize their eternal future. Isn't that beautiful? If I'm saved, I don't have to go to church too much. I don't have to go to church hardly any at all. I'm saved. I read my Bible every once in a while. So what? I do a few things I shouldn't do. God loves me. Yeah, I don't push it. Yeah, I don't push it. There is such a presence of the Lord right now. There is such a presence of the Lord right now. I know Him when He comes in. I know Him when He walks into the room. And He's here. And your cry, He's listening for you. If you're not sure you're saved, this is be the time to be sure. If you are saved, and you just want to give God praise, you just want to love Him, this is your time to do it. Because there is such a presence of the Lord right here in this place right now. As Josh plays and sings, Older workers, would you come?